Good morning. This is Denna Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who've been called to various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we're here with Albert Willis. Albert is the pastor at All Good United Methodist Church. They meet on Sunday mornings at 1055 for worship, and they want to invite you to come join them. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Welcome, Albert. Well, thank you for having me, Dana. This is such a privilege. So glad you're here. Yeah, I am too. Tell us a little bit about Albert Willis. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a little town called Tylertown, Mississippi. Tylertown, Mississippi. What's Tylertown known for? Uh, it's the the county is called the Cream Pitcher of Mississippi. Oh, wow! Yeah, we had a lot of dairy farmers. Yeah. My mom and dad owned a hardware and furniture store, so we sold stuff to them, you know, in, cool. in the little town of Tylertown. My grandfather, Albert, was the owner and start he he started that business. I never got to know him. He he passed away when dad was in the World War II. Oh, wow. But they have a the chapel named after him at our the Methodist church I grew up in. Sometimes people go, man, that is really cool. You got something named after you. I said, that's not me. That's my grandfather. grandfather. <laughs> Did you work in your parents' furniture store? Yeah. As a kid, I would I would help uh, deliver furniture uh, with a, a man named H.C. He was a deacon of his church. I said, well, H., I'll see you tomorrow. He said, well, you know, if Lord willing, I'll be there. And I always thought that was kind of funny, but he was serious about it. Yes. He didn't take any day for granted. He's Lord willing, I'll be there. You know. Huh. Um, did your parents ever make any of their own furniture? Did they manufacture? No, no yeah. we would we would go. Actually, we went to Houston uh, to Bud Adams, who was the owner of the Houston Oilers and the Tennessee Titans. You are kidding! And uh, they they he owned all that. He was rich from from furniture. He'd have these huge uh, warehouses of stuff, and all these people would come, and he would pick them up by their hotels by by these beautiful cars and take them over to the convention mom and them were wooed by him all the time they really liked bud i bet so yeah but that's where they got their furniture they had ordered it and then it'd come to them it's kind of like anything in a store you've got it for so many days and then you can send it back and get more if you don't sell it gotcha it's on consignment kind right. of thing you know yeah. our refrigerators were the same thing they had 90 days to sell them if they didn't then they would start get them to somebody else or trading out and getting something else nice so did they sell like bedroom furniture and mattresses oh yeah did you ever get in trouble for jumping on the mattresses i got in trouble a lot that wasn't the only thing you know i was i was like curious george oh okay i was very inquisitive without asking anybody i tried to do it myself you know okay yeah always always in trouble huh uh yeah do you get a lot of like uh scars and and uh, were you rough and tumbly well 11th grade, I'll tell you. Uh, this is going to be a good star, scar story, I can tell. It, it was. I mean, it was all in the same month that happened to me. But I, uh, our pastor was moving, and his son was a friend of mine, a year older than me, I think. Well, a group of us went and had a party somewhere, and, and uh, we said, so, Walter, what do you want to do? He said, I'd like to egg the principal's yard. Oh. So we did. Now, uh, as a young person, you know, we did that. He was he was at the James Rob- James Robertson Crusade. Okay. Oh <laughs> well, my. Well, I went out with friends the next night, and we 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 got drunk, and I uh, they we we went over and 
and did it again. I said, well, why don't we do that? That was fun that night. Yeah, yeah. let's Two just nights do it in a row. Again. Sure. Well, Sounds like f- a good idea at the time, yeah, doesn't well, it? Well, on the third night, um, it was me and three guys in my, in my car. I had a little convertible Mustang my dad owned, and we just drove it. And, and those guys, we were late night, and they said, what do you want to do, man? I'm bored. I said, well, we could go egg the principal's yard. So I did it a third night in a row. You have got to be kidding well, me. He was waiting for us on the third night. Well, yeah. Came around the corner with his gun, shooting up in the air. Like a real gun? Oh, a shotgun. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, And uh, we got in our car, uh, my car, and took off. And and about a week later, he, he came to the pool where I was swimming. And I, have you ever sweated in a real cold pool? I can't say that I have. Well, I did. It was it was very, very, very rough. I, my he, he gave me two weeks to tell my parents, and then he was going to come and... He had a whole list of all the people that had done it. He said, now, do you know these guys? Have you done this with them? I'm going, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, from that, my dad caught me. And it was it was very traumatic because I had never really been a bad kid, you know, that I'd done something like that was was embarrassing for me, too. You know, I just got caught doing this. And and the end of that month, we were having a, a revival at our church in Tylertown. And I was with all my football friends in the back. You know, we didn't have phones. We had pieces of paper we wrote to, on, right. you know, and passing them to each right. other. And and looking up, and Brother Scott was his name. And it was one of those hellfire brimstone. You know, you go, no, nobody does that much anymore. You know, they want to woo you to heaven, not scare the life out of you, you mm-hmm. know, scare the, you know, bejibbities out of you. And, and, he, and I looked up, and he was looking at me. You know, that's how you always feel it. He's talking just to you right. when, when all this happens. and. And uh, it was embarrassing, I, but I knew I had to go down. I went down by myself, and um, that was embarrassing enough, I thought. But uh, I, I went, and all of a sudden, I felt about four or five hands on top of me, and mm. all those football guys had come down, laying their hands on me. What a team. I didn't even know they were Christian. <laughs> I thought we were just going to have fun. And uh and and they they prayed for me and that that changed my life from something so horrible became the best month of my my life. You, know? you learned confession at a young age, didn't uh, you? Yeah, it's yeah. good for the soul, isn't yeah. it? Feels good. Yeah. And I had to go through that more than once. And you know, it wasn't like it was a life changing beginning, but it wasn't life changing where I never went wrong after that. Sure. I yeah. mean, you know, it was it was time and time again. I just got a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer. Yeah. yeah, I was working out my salvation. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm still am, actually. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. We're back this morning with Albert Willis. Albert is the pastor at Allgood United Methodist Church, and he wants to invite you to come worship with them in Allgood at 1055 on Sunday mornings. Albert, you were telling us about egging your principal's house for not one, not two, but three times. And then you felt this sort of pull to to confess and to ask forgiveness. And so tell us how you went from someone who's egging your principal's house to being a pastor. Well, you know, it's it's like a process you go through. Um, I, I confessed this terrible thing I had done. But I never, I didn't feel a call into ministry at that time. It was, it was, it was something that I had to work toward. It was um, going to college after that, and 
I was not doing the right things even at college. And I remember the, the pastor's wife called me from where I was growing up and said, Hey Albert. And I think she knew something bad was going on with me, but she invited me to come and drive the van to take kids to a, to a concert on the next town in Columbia, uh, Mississippi. And, uh, and I said, well, what's it about? She said, well, that's a group. They, they act and they sing. They're called, uh, um, second chapter of acts or what? No, it was acts two. That's what they were called. Acts two and company. And, and they would, they would, uh, do a skit. It was about six of them do a skit and then they'd sing and skit and then sing and very dramatic. And it was funny. And, and so I went and, um, I was drawn to them, man, because I love singing. I thought, man, I'd love to do that. I, I liked acting. I like, you know, telling stories. And, and so, um, they said, if anybody wants to try out for this, you know, come after the thing and, uh, we'd love, love to hear from it. So I, I, I practiced, I gave them my, you know, they had me warm up and I sang and it was fun. And, and I didn't think much about it after that. Um, till about three months later, I got a, and I was in a rock group. Oh, really? I was a lead singer for a group. And like we what go- kind of music did you sing? Oh, it was, um, I forgot the names of these groups, but, uh, you know, like this, classic rock. Yeah. It was like Southern man, you yeah. better lay your head. And, uh, I, you know, I was the, I could sing those high notes and, uh, I enjoyed that. And, um, but we, we drank every night we were practicing and going into, we were going to sing in Tylertown growing up. And, and there I was the lead singer and we were sitting around in the back seat of a car and I said, I'd never do this, but, I was sitting there, and they're passing a joint around and pass it to me. I thought it was going to be, hey, man, you want to smoke? No, no, I don't do that. I just drank. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did it, and I got up on stage, and I couldn't even sing a note hardly. My wow. voice, had, had I'd lost it. You know, yeah. I was having to sing an octave lower, and and I fell on the stage. The stage had this dip in it, and I, and I tripped, and I fell, and I looked up, and my little sister was right in front with all her friends. There was 500 people at this room yeah. to hear this group from their hometown, and I let everybody down. That's the first time I realized people were looking up to me, mm-hmm. even though they weren't. I was looking up to them because I was on the floor, but, you know, my sister just shook her head and started crying and ran out of that room. It took about 20 years before she said she was proud of me, mm. you know. So I, I screwed up a lot of different things, you know. Uh, so that that one beginning started me to something, but I kept going backwards. You know, it's like going upstairs. You go up a couple of stairs, and then you fall down one. Right. Then you go up a couple more, then you fall down one. Then you might fall down another one. And after a while, you think everything's going bad, but you look back, and you're going, my lows now are higher than my highs were when I was younger. So I saw something changing in me, but but – that that was that was this another step where in the midst of that i get this letter from this group called continental singers i'm going who is this i don't know who it was well it was the main group that had these other groups but you had to be in in the continental singers first before you go into these groups and it was a group of about 24 singers with a, a little orchestra and we'd start in california and sing all over the the united states and then Different groups would fly out to other places. Well, I got in this group that was flying out to South America and then to South Africa, and then we flew up to Rome. It, man, it was a, a an adventure, I'm you telling you. You toured the world. Yeah, but I wasn't that strong of a Christian. But when you're touring with 24 other Christians day and night, you're in a van, you're in a bus, you're in a plane, 
and there's nothing you can do. You can't get away from anybody. At night, you spend the night with people uh, at these different churches, and you, they break you up into two to three people that are going to these homes, and and there was nothing I could do, but but find out who God was for me, and and that that was. You know, it's like all those different steps I'm going through, you know, were bringing me closer and closer to God and making me wonder, you know, who I was, what I was doing in my life. And oh, gosh, it was it, it was um, pretty adventure venturing for me. You know, I mean, it was like I, I wanted I wanted to to go out in the world and and do whatever God told me to do, you know. And, and uh, so I was at Southern Miss uh, there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and and um, we had just come back from all that, and I thought I was going to go back and do that again every summer. It cost a lot of money, you know, and people were from my hometown giving me money to go. So, but um, right in the midst of that, I'm I've been going to Wesley Foundation, and I was asleep in my room at the time when I got a call and said, "Hey, this pastor from Picayune, Mississippi, is looking for a youth director," and they were. They were going to interview a, a young lady, and uh, she's sick. And he said, is there anybody else you can interview? And they said, well, there's a guy named Albert Willis. I wasn't looking for a job. I worked for a clothing company at the time, you know, while I was going to school. That he, he, he might be interested. So they called me up and said, Albert, you think you, you want to come and talk? He said, well, can I talk to, the, to him right now on the phone? Uh, so it's the preacher, Brother Dement. And uh, – I said, I said, uh, so what's the job about? He said, well, you would be over volleyball, softball, and basketball. You'd be over all the intramural sports, and you'd be the youth youth leader uh, for our youth group. And um, I said, hmm, well, I like sports. Okay, I'd love to come down and talk. You know, so I go down, and all of a sudden, it's a little bit more to this. I've got to know the Bible. Yeah. I've never read the Bible. I mean, I was president of my MYF group. What's MYF? Methodist Youth Fellowship. They okay. weren't united at the time. You know? But you had never read the Bible. No, no. Uh-uh. I was just, I was just, a, I was a very um, outgoing person. I was a leader. Right. But I didn't have anything to lead with. And, uh, but, but uh, people w- wanted to follow me. They wanted to do what I was doing. And they go, let's get Albert to be the president. Yeah. You know, and so we would, we'd have fun together. And, um, um, but I didn't know what I was doing. And so becoming, now I'm becoming, uh, they hire me and I become the, the youth director of, of a church of a thousand members. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, the, the church was just then splitting because uh, the youth pastor before me was very charismatic. And she was my, my wife's cousin from Nebraska. She brought every child to Christ, half the church, and she was very charismatic. So she, all those kids were, were speaking in tongues. The other part of the church had never heard of that. That was way before anybody knew anything about the charismatic movement. That was just the beginning of it. And so this church split. The charismatics went this way. The, the, the rest went this way. And, and she got let go, or she moved back to Nebraska. Then they let go of the pastor who hired me. So when I get there, nobody's there but me and the secretary. Wow. No pressure there. Yeah. Miss Louise. She was a great lady. She saved me many a time. (laughs) But um, the the thing that I had to learn was, um, first was the Bible. First two weeks of my time there, I I read the whole Bible. 
I'm well, tell that's you, a crash course. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you I knew anything about it after I read it, but I wanted to be able to say, yeah, yeah, I've read the Bible. <laughs> Um, but, uh, it's a good you know, start. It's man. a good start. Yeah. It, 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 I knew, I knew I needed to, to do something because I was going to be teaching Bible study. And, you know, I cringe at the thought of the things that I said to those kids those, those days. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling, and we're here with Pastor Albert Willis from Algon United Methodist Church. And Albert would like to share a motivational moment. I've been studying for a while now. I haven't done a series yet on it, but, uh, you know, a lot of you uh, know the, the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Well, you know, as we start that, we we read through those words. You know, this is the the New International Version. And the King James Version is so poetic. It's so beautiful. That's where I learned how to remember scriptures through the King James Version. But in the NIV, when I read it, it sits down and it starts telling me that it's not something that sometimes we, we look at as, as a congregation on how God has blessed us, has, has been with us as a church, as a body of believers. But this scripture, the, the 23rd Psalm, is about you. It's about me because everything says the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your God and your staff, they comfort me. You repair a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's, it is a very personal uh, scripture. It, it's, it's something that we have to remember that God if there was nobody else on earth, God would be there for you, for me. There's a song that I, I've heard that's new for me. I'd never heard it before, and it's written about the 23rd Psalm, and it's, it goes like this. When my depression is affecting every ounce of me. Now, let me start again. When I am shaking and my heart's pounding, you always take me and make me lay down in peaceful fields where I can clear my head. Because I get so overcome with anxiety, like it's enemy living inside of me, like a mocker yelling out, telling lies to me. And I don't feel brave, but I don't have to be because I walk through the valley of shadows and it scared me half to death. But you're with me everywhere I go. So I don't give up yet. My fear would surely kill me if I didn't know the truth. The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you. When my emotions turn against me, not faith nor reason could convince me that you have patience left to fight for me. When my depression is affecting every ounce of me, I can get the medication and the counseling. Still, I can hear the fear calling out to me, and I don't feel brave, but I don't have to be because I walk through the valley of shadows, and it scared me half to death, but you're with me everywhere I go, so I don't give up yet. My fear would surely kill me if I didn't know the truth. The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you. You prepare a table for me right in front of my worst enemies. You're as calm and relaxed as can be. There, there's no place where the demons won't find me, but just wait till they see who's standing behind me because I walked through the valley of shadows and it scared me half to death, but you're with me 
everywhere I go. So I don't give up yet. My fear would surely kill me if I didn't know the truth. The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of you. Praise the Lord. Amen. You're listening to The Calling. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling, and we're back with Albert Willis from All Good United Methodist Church. Albert, this is our last section, and it's what is the most fun for me because I get to ask you all sorts of crazy questions, and, and you have to answer them. Oh, so, okay. Well. <laughs> you do get the opportunity to plead the fifth or to pass on one question. So, Just one? Yeah. We're going to start with an easy one, though, because okay. you have such a history in music. Tell us what's on your playlist. I've got I've got so many uh, Matt Marr anything anything he does I I, I listen to I, I really love his 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 words how he how he brings it all about and then um, Chris Tomlin uh, I don't know who wrote this trend this arrangement of it but how great the art is a, a favorite of mine but it has it's written in in a minor key and uh, and it really it changes the whole feeling of that song when, you know, it's not just sung and you're done, but it, 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 it puts your heart into it. You know, have you ever texted the wrong person? Oh yeah. Many a time, especially thinking I'm talking to my wife and I said something and they're going, what? Mm. I'm going, what do you mean? What? I just told you, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, hmm. can't say Jesus. Who would those three people be? I, I read through the Bible every year, and uh-huh. I read through with Nikki Gumbel, okay. who is over uh, a group called Alpha. Uh-huh. He's the one that started Alpha, and it's it's a very, I guess, evangelical group that brings people to their church and has a 10-week event where they talk about um, kind of a short way of looking at the Bible, and, and at the end, the those people are invited to Christ. So it's very evangelical of bringing people. And he's out of England, mm-hmm. him, him and his wife, Nikki and Pippa Gumbel. Okay. And uh, it is very, 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 very powerful. To, so you would have Nikki and Pippa? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. One more. Uh, Billy Graham. Billy Graham. I, okay. I, would, I would love to have been able to just, yeah. uh, he, he taught, he taught, he, he was, never political he was always just love and that's what i i try to be um and 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 how you know I, you know you do have views on certain things but i don't push it on anybody i i'm i, I like to just share um god's love with everybody yeah yeah okay so uh what's your favorite netflix show hmm well we watched longmire forever okay are you watching anything now on Netflix? Um, Father Brown. Father Brown. Okay. It's a it's a mystery murder show, and he's he's a, a priest. There you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I want to you know I want to be like him. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last question. You haven't used a, a pass, or you haven't pled the fifth, so you're doing good. All right. Um, I do have one thing. You do. Yeah. You have just one thing. Well. The last Sunday of this month. Yeah. The twenty ninth, I think. Okay. Twenty ninth. Of March. Tim Menzies is gonna be at our church. Who's that? 
Tim is a singer-songwriter, used to write for country music, Ken, Kenny Chesney, Reba McIntyre. Uh, all the big names seemed like he was he was uh, George George Jones, I think, or George Strait. George okay. Strait was was the one he wrote for too, and and so he he was really big in that. And um, but he's always been a, a Christian in his adult life, and he felt God telling him it's time just to write strictly for me. So the last four or five years, he's been doing that with the Isaacs, okay. and uh, so he he writes a kind of a country Christian music. And he he comes in and does a thing called word and song, and so he'll he'll take over the whole service and preach and sing through that whole hour. So that's going to be March the twenty ninth. Yes, at All Good United Methodist Church yeah. at ten fifty five. That's correct. And we want everyone listening yeah. to come. Yeah, and you don't have to pay to come. It's it's going to be a love offering. We'll take up for him. And be great. March and then we have 29. a meal afterwards. Everybody's invited to eat. There you go. There's Food's nothing important. better than a church meal. I know it. Okay, we'll end right. there. Okay. Last question. Yes. What's your favorite item at the church potluck? I love fried chicken. Fried chicken. I was going to yeah. go for deviled eggs. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'll take a deviled egg with my fried yeah. chicken. <laughs> I used to grow up, and we always had chicken and dumplings. They don't have that much anymore anywhere. I don't, you know, my wife makes a mean I bet she does. pot. But, yeah. but um, I, I stay away from fried chicken as much as I can But because uh, I – I'm a diabetic. Yeah. I can't. It's tough, know. man, but it's soul food every but, now and then. But I do eat it, so I no. can't say I don't. Well, Albert, thank you for being with us today. We thank have you. learned a lot about you. Yeah. You've got an interesting story. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> well, if you want to see more of the iceberg and learn more about Albert and his ministry and join them at All Good United Methodist Church, come at 1055 in the heart of All Good across from the post office and join them. And we want to specifically invite you on March 29th for Tim Menzies. And you'll hear Tim Menzies. Menzies. Yes, yeah. Excuse mm-hmm. me, Tim right. Menzies. Right. Uh, but come March 29th at 1055 and yeah. join them. Albert, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful to hear your story. Each week, we're going to introduce you to members of the community who followed their call to serve. I'm Dena Hornby. And this has been The Calling.